You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 35. Hey guys, I want to first thank you so, so much for all your support during the month of October as we discussed mental health awareness in the church. All of your social media shout outs, messages, and emails have blessed me and was a reminder why it was so important to step out and share what got placed on my heart. So again, thank you all for tuning in last month. I really appreciate it so much. Today, we are jumping into November with a truth bomb. And let me tell you what most people don't know about truth bombs. They usually wound the person telling it first. So just a backstory about how this episode came to be. I've been studying for a while now the word reconciliation in the Bible, which sounds so beautiful and poetic. I was personally drawn to the reconciled story between David and Saul. So there were a few principles that I had on my heart and mind stewing for a while. In September, we went on a family trip to Washington, D.C., which was incredible. One night before bed, I was praying and thinking about a few things when I felt the Lord bring the title, The Prince and the Pauper, to my thoughts. Now, I haven't read this book since I was a kid, so obviously I had to jump on Google to brush up on the details. And wow, God blew my mind with some revelation that I hope I'm able to convey here today. Gossip is real. Gossip happens. Gossip is wrong on so many levels. And even though the Lord has been pruning my own toxic habits for years, I realized that whenever I was in the middle of a gossip battle between two people, or even the subject of gossip, it was an opportunity to learn more about what God wants from us during these difficult times and how I should behave in the situation. So in this episode, I summarize what the prince and the pauper is about, why we must be careful about preconceived ideas, the absence of kindness, and what the word says about gossip. When I started this podcast, I knew that we would be going into some real topics. So here we go, guys. I am praying that the Lord will open up our understanding about this in a new way and that we will receive what he has for us so that we can be better and be a greater light to this world. So let's do this. Here is episode number 35 that I am calling The Truth About Gossip. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. I am pleased to announce that the Hello Awesome podcast is sponsored by the modest fashion clothing brand, Nuggles. Aiming to always provide beautiful, comfortable, and affordable apparel, Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style. You don't have to break the bank or sacrifice that morning latte when you shop with Nuggles. In fact, Hello Awesome listeners can use the 10% off exclusive discount code by using HelloAwesome10 during checkout. Go to Nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot 
U.S. to shop high-quality products to add to your modest wardrobe right now. There are not too many great storytellers who can weave details and characters together in a way that Mark Twain has done. Growing up, I was fascinated by his stories, and as I was writing and praying one day, the tale of the prince and the pauper came to mind. If you don't know it, let me share with you. So I immediately started researching, trying to learn what I could about the plot, because it's been a while since I listened to it or heard it. It's been a while since I read it. And I asked the Lord what connection he wanted me to make. The Prince and the Pauper was first published in 1881 in Canada before it was published a year later in the U.S. Being an American author, Mark Twain attempted to write historical fiction based in London, and it became a classic. In the story, there are two young boys who looked similar in appearance, but their lives couldn't have been more different. Tom was the youngest son of a poor family, while Edward was a royal prince training to take over the throne someday. They decide to temporarily switch places and so begins the adventure as they see life through the other person's eyes. It's full of humor, but also real moments as Edward realizes how truly abusive Tom's father was to him and how life as a pauper was anything but glamorous. He watches firsthand the harsh nature of the English judicial system toward the poor and it pricked his heart. Edward then makes a promise that when he does become king, he will reign with mercy and make things right. In the palace, Tom finds it challenging to learn the appropriate customs and manners a prince should have. Eventually, he uses common sense observations as he sits in on judgments and begins to appreciate the complexity that is Edward's life. Of course, they do eventually switch back, and Edward is crowned as king when his father becomes ill. Tom is then given a privileged position that brings honor to his name for the rest of his life, and the two remain good friends. So, what can we learn about this story, The Prince and the Pauper? How can we apply the lessons Tom and Edward learned to our lives, and most importantly, within our walk with God. You might think, hmm, not much. It sounds kind of basic. Well, for one thing, let's acknowledge the likelihood of preconceived ideas. It could be said that each boy had their own thoughts about what the other one was going through without really knowing true facts, right? For example, Edward was a prince and did not have any experience to understand Tom's life as a poor pauper. He couldn't relate to having an abusive father, no money, or the tough way the lower class was handled by the government. However, from his own perspective, he could draw conclusions about what Tom was going through from what his natural eye saw. But that was it. The only way to truly understand a pauper is really to become one. This stands true for Tom as well. How could Tom understand the complex and challenging situation of a prince from the lower class level? He could only assume he knew what Edward was going through based on a skewed perspective at the feet of the throne. The only way for these two to really understand one another and appreciate their situations was to walk in the other boy's shoes, which they did, literally. This makes me wonder about my own story, actually. As someone who was not fully raised in apostolic ways, I was limited by the scope of my experiences. I was ignorant in the ways of God 
and did not understand the magnitude of what it meant to live for him. It wasn't until my life changed and I had my own spiritual experience with the King of Kings that I realized the truth, that I saw the entire picture or at least what was shown a greater portion than what I had originally known. So now, after 12 years, I find myself having empathy and compassion towards those who don't know God. I can understand why they're struggling to find answers and some of my greatest conversations have been sharing my testimony to those who never knew what being a Christian really meant. I find myself brokenhearted over stories from people outside of church and I see things differently than I did before. I also feel as though I have a different perspective than someone who maybe was raised in church all their lives and struggled to have compassion toward non-believers. Maybe that's you. And I'm not puffing myself up to say I'm so smart and loving toward everyone. I struggle, believe me. But I'm using my story as an example that in order for us as the church to truly help someone, we need to try and see things the way they do, through their eyes. Walk a mile in their shoes, like the saying goes. Last month, we discussed mental health on the podcast and bringing awareness to heavy issues that plague the majority of us. In my last solo show, I shared with you my research and Bible study concerning suicide, and today I want us to talk about kindness. I want to talk about how we treat each other because the absence of kindness is the absence of grace. And in order for the church and the people of God to heal our mental health, we all have to be kind to one another and give out grace like it's free. Because honestly, it is. We can't just pick and choose who to be kind to or who to give grace to. We can choose who we spend time with and how we may have to limit that time with certain people, but that should never be without kindness and grace. How we speak and how we treat each other is extremely important. We have to make sure that we are not adding to the woes of another brother or sister in Christ. Are we being empathetic to their situation or are we acting as if we are above them? Are we trying to see life through their lens or are we too comfortable with our own narrow scope? The story of the prince and the pauper shows us that we can never truly know what someone else is going through or what their lives really look like unless we are them. And while we shouldn't do anything extreme like trade places in order to gain that knowledge, it's as simple as being kind. It's as simple as being kind and not assuming we know the entire story of what someone is going through. Have you ever been in a conversation where you shared something meaningful or personal and the other person watered down the impact by their reaction? They either made a comment that pushed what you said aside like it was unimportant, or they acted as if what you went through wasn't even valid. It really doesn't bring good feelings or make us feel heard, right? We may not have to agree with someone, or we may not even understand 100% their experiences. But that's the thing about grace. It's still there regardless. When we make someone feel as though their experience or feelings don't matter, or has hardly any value, we are making them feel that way about themselves. And for someone struggling with mental health, especially if they haven't shared that with anyone, it can add more clouds to their already foggy situation. Sometimes we negatively assume something about someone when we really should be assuming the best. 
and often we fill in the blank and add details to people's stories without real facts. Then we share those ideas with others and gossip, which only spreads a false narrative that doesn't lift up or encourage the person. Guys, we have all done this. I'm not pointing fingers, but I am pointing out how wrong it is. Here is what the word says about gossip and spreading false or inaccurate information. Proverbs 11, 12, and 13 says, He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Proverbs 16:28 says, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Proverbs 18:8 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 20:19 says, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Proverbs 26, 20 through 22 says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Ephesians 4, 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 2 Corinthians 12:20 says, For I fear lest, when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. I want us right now to take a closer look at 2 Corinthians 12.20. The list given can relate to one another. First, debates is not talking about healthy discussions with opposing views, but it's about quarreling or fighting. The back and forth going nowhere arguments we have with one another sometimes. Envyings means jealousy. When our eyes focus on what other people have and we want it too, whatever that may be. Wraths is fierce passion associated with anger, not having self-control over and unleashing it towards others. Strifes is another word for contention, meaning a point of friction or conflict, usually a consistent problem. Backbitings is another word for evil speaking or defamation. Defamation is the action of damaging the good reputation of someone. Most of the time, it is false information being passed on as real facts about a person. Whisperings in the scripture here means slander, gossip, speaking behind someone's back things that are not uplifting or pleasing and often untrue. Swellings means haughtiness or pride. It's a sense of superiority. It's crowned arrogance. And finally, the word tumults means disorder, commotion, confusion, unrestful chaos. That's a lot of stuff, right? We all have struggled with each one of these things at some point in time, and Paul wanted the church to understand that it was not okay to continue doing them. So 
we have to do our best to practice self-control and not take part in any of these things. We need to understand that the things listed in 2 Corinthians 12, 20 can produce damaging results and will sculpt the mental health of the people involved, especially those who are targets and on the receiving end. What do we usually hear after someone has fallen into deep depression or has unfortunately taken their own life? Most of the time, they were bullied, picked on, treated unfairly, right? They felt worthless and therefore were hopeless. We need to start taking responsibility for the information we share about people and make sure that it is edifying. It is up to each one of us to not spread false or altered information that will damage a person's reputation and deceive other people's perceptions or knowledge about someone else. I also want to stop and make a quick comment about spreading truthful information because honestly, that can still hurt sometimes too. Sometimes people share stories with us in confidence that we are going to honor their privacy or their life might reflect the truth other people see but it may not be our place to discuss it with everyone else. A lot of times sharing truthful things can still be hurtful if we're not treating the information with respect. For example, a young married couple becomes pregnant and confides in you the happy news. They haven't made the announcement public yet, but it's totally okay if you're excited so you could post it on Facebook, right? You can say how thrilled you are, that's not bad. Um, wrong. Even though the information is truth and you didn't make anything up, even though your intentions were really genuine, it was not your business to share it publicly or with anyone else unless you had the permission to do so. It is disrespectful and inconsiderate. This is basic human interaction 101, but guys, we do this all the time. In The Prince and the Pauper, Tom the Pauper and Edward the Prince become unlikely friends but only after they got a glimpse into each other's lives. Sometimes we don't get along with people because we refuse to try and understand them. That's just the truth. Whether it's because of preconceived ideas within our own minds or gossip poured into us from somebody else, we don't make an effort to actually know the person we tend to keep at arm's length. And while it is unlikely that we will get along with everyone all the time in the universe, Think about what we are missing when we let altered information dictate our relationships. I can relate to many biblical characters, but Paul in particular shares a similar redemption story. Before Paul was converted, he prosecuted Christians and lived a very different life, just like me. He was driven by evil intentions and brought destruction to the people of God. Until one day, all that changed. The Lord met him on the road to Damascus, and from then on his narrow scope grew. Paul's experience opened up his understanding, and he saw life differently. He saw people differently. Now Paul understood why Christians live the way they did. In 1 Timothy verses 12 through 15, Paul writes something profound that will help us understand the mindset we should have no matter who is around. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, and I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul lays out his past sins and says he did it ignorantly in unbelief, that in spite of everything he did, the Lord Jesus poured out mercy and placed him in ministry. Then God makes a statement that I want us to apply to our lives and relationships. He says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Even after being saved and knowing who Jesus is, Paul acknowledges that he is still a sinner himself and in fact might be the very biggest. We don't have to beat ourselves up about how terrible we are. That's not what I'm suggesting at all and that is not even biblical. What I mean is we can't be blind from our own shortcomings to where we are swelled up with pride and think we're better than other people. We're all the same no matter what sin we're dealing with. When the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery in front of Jesus, they spoke about how the law commanded them to stone her for it. They used her situation and sin to tempt Jesus, hopefully tripping him up and making him look foolish. They asked him what he thought, but instead of arguing and debating, the scripture says this in John 8, 6-9. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. It is rumored and speculated that Jesus might have written down each one of their sins, which would honestly be really awesome, but we really won't know for sure. But one by one they left because they are all sinners. We are all sinners. None of us is without sin. Only Jesus was left alone with the woman. Then he commanded her to go and sin no more. We often are so quick to throw stones at people who are the same as us. We just don't know it because we are too busy consumed with debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. We are usually so consumed with communicating and processing information wrong to actually stop and give grace. Let's also think back to the story of Judas. In my last solo episode, we went into detail about his suicide and why Judas did have another option, but he didn't choose it. And here's the fact. Jesus knew what was in Judas's heart way before that moment, but never told the other apostles. He didn't spread gossip or cause strife. Sure, there are scriptures where Jesus reveals people's sins, but many times it's privately and it's with love. What we need to understand is We all need kindness and grace. Just because someone sins differently than us doesn't make us better. We have probably heard this famous scripture many times, but it's one we must revisit over and over again. Romans 3.13 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only God is holy. Only God is good. Only God is 100%. If there's anything good about us, it is from Him and Him alone. 
This life is hard enough. We shouldn't be adding on to the pile of someone else's problems by pushing wrong agendas or sharing hurtful stories about them. We should use that energy to be kind and show grace. Wouldn't we want the same treatment? When my oldest son was in karate, they would have to memorize a couple of keywords and definitions that would help their mentality during training and also life outside the dojo. One of them was the word respect. And I can't tell you how many times a sensei would ask the class, who knows the definition of respect? And little hands would fly up so eager to answer, treat people the way they want to be treated. Hmm, I'm sorry, what? Right, treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you think they should be treated. That's a big difference, isn't it? Respecting people is more than just opening a door for them or sharing your lunch. It's more than just a handshake on Sunday morning or leaving the bathroom stocked with toilet paper, which is very important, and I do thank you for that. Amen. But respect is always more than we think. Do people want to be gossiped about and slandered? Do people want defamation of their character or reputation, especially in the church? Of course not. So why are we doing it, guys? We wouldn't want any of that geared towards us either. Kindness and grace birth trust and love. If we're so busy sowing discord and reaping division instead of having compassion and loving on each other, if we don't have compassion toward those inside the church, what makes us think those outside would even want to come into the same toxic atmosphere they need healing from. And if we also disrespect and gossip and are unkind to unbelievers, what makes us think they will want to serve the same God we claim to know? Think about it. I think we've idolized our movement and our message more than the God who gave it to us. And while we are founded on good things, we are failing in how we treat one another. Strife, envy, jealousy, control, gossip, holier-than-thou attitudes that don't build up and don't breathe life. I do believe in the awesome power of Jesus and that his blood can clean the dirtiest of sins. But what if we are a stumbling block between an unbeliever and a revelation? What if our nasty, know-it-all dialogue turns away hearts who want to change? Just what if God is telling us to just be silent for a minute because our shouts to be right or to get attention are overpowering his gentle call for the broken to come closer? Like I said before, I was not born in this. So I know firsthand the emotional toll and life-changing experience one has when coming to the truth. I also know what it feels like to have church girls eyeball and whisper about you. It does not feel good and it is not fun. And can I be real for a second? It wasn't the doctrine, standards, or commitments to the house of God that made the change difficult. It was experiencing the same toxic atmosphere within walls that are meant to be safe as I experience outside of them. I'm not knocking my church. I'm not knocking church as a whole. I'm just sharing my real experience with being a new convert coming in. Yes, we are humans, but let's not use that as an excuse to wield weapons God never wanted us to hold. We must be different in word and deed, in doctrine and appearance, absolutely. But more than that, we need to be light to each other 
forgiving those within the family of God and creating an atmosphere where people know the difference, where people feel kindness and genuine care, where people feel grace being poured out without hesitations or expectations. Love God. Love one another. Not just the lost, but the ones who are saved right next to you. Because we can demonstrate a unity bigger than the separation that's been an example in society today. Our nation is divided more than ever. The church needs to be different than that. We need to be different than that. Let us no longer be stumbling blocks, but stepping stones towards greatness. There is no telling how great a revival that will bring inside and outside the church. Change your mindset and it will change your heart. Purposefully act on kindness and give out grace without expecting something in return. Do it for God. Do it for the health of the body. Do it for love. All right, guys, I know that we tackled some heavy topics here, but these conversations on the podcast are meant to get us making real changes in real life. That's really what it's all about. Pray about what you heard today. Ask the Lord to show you the truth that's inside your heart and expose you to a better way of behavior. Let us take care of our relationships, of our brothers and sisters, of our families, both spiritually and naturally. We can make a positive difference and respect one another one step at a time. Take responsibility for your actions and words. Ask for forgiveness and work on making sure you're being a light for Jesus, both inside and outside the sanctuary. As always, I love you guys so much and I love hearing from you. Make sure you are subscribed to the Hello Awesome podcast and leave a positive review on iTunes. Also, take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories tagging Hello Awesome Ministries. We'll chat again real soon, fam. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.